Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to another episode of Talking Fast, a Gilmore Girls podcast. I'm Suzanne. And I'm Alexis. And we're two longtime fans of the show, excited to rewatch and recap it along the way. Today, we are recapping Season 3, Episode 2, Haunted Leg. The bio for this episode is, Emily's attempts to reunite Christopher with Lorelai and Rory result in an ugly confrontation between Rory and Christopher. And before we get started, don't forget to enter our sticker giveaway by writing us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and emailing us a screenshot of the review to TalkingFastPodcast at gmail.com. What were your general thoughts about this episode? I thought it was a solid follow-up to the season opener. I, I liked the way that it carried over the conflicts and storylines of like the Emily and Lorelai, um, the Lorelai and Christopher, mm-hmm. the Rory and Jess. There's just like a lot of good, I think, payoff and confrontation with some of those that I had like hoped to see. So yeah, and it had some kind of like regular episode antics too, <laughs> yeah. you know, like it's like, okay, now we're in like a regular 22 episode sort of season. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it felt cozy and familiar. Agreed. How about you? I I agree. I felt like the, for the first maybe like 25 minutes, I was like, oh, this is going to be an easy, just kind of comforting episode. Mm-hmm. And then all the <laughs> fights began, um, which were pretty dramatic and mm-hmm. I hadn't remembered a single one of them. <laughs> so it was kind of surprising also, but it's a juicy episode, I think. But I agree, it's really like a part two to last week's mm-hmm. episode. Kind of gives us some culmination of things. Right. I hit play without even looking at the bio, so I didn't get that, like, heads up, Christopher's going to come back <laughs> yeah. and there's going to be this, like, ugly confrontation. So I was just like you, like, oh, just... Easy breezy beautiful cover girl <laughs> episode, you know, and then wow, we're really getting into some fights here, and um, it just reminded me of what a shame it is that none of the actors like received serious mm-hmm. award nominations because, like Lauren Graham or or Kelly Bishop, like they're putting in such stellar performances, and the fact that they weren't like honored for that beyond like of course we honor them but like I don't know what a shame yeah seriously especially in that like that fight with Christopher and Mm. as Lorelai says like Emily just her tone of voice like we don't see her when she says her line in that fight but you can tell by the tone of voice how impactful it is and she has I forget what Lorelai says afterwards but she points out how terrifying Emily is. And that's like to be able to do that just with your voice, not even being on screen. That's something. <laughs> yeah. Super impressive. Yeah. Okay. okay. Well, clearly we have a lot of thoughts, but before we unpack them more, let's do our talking fast segment. I suppose so. I guess it's my turn to go first. <laughs> okay. Are you ready? Yes. 
<laughs> All right. On your mark, get set, go. So we start off with a very silent Friday night dinner where Lorelai and Emily are still angry at each other but attempting half-heartedly to be okay. And then the next day we are at Chilton. Uh, Rory has a induction ceremony for her uh, student council thing. We also get Kirk asking out Lorelai, which is completely out of the blue. And later in the week, Paris holds a student council meeting and is pretty terrible, a terrible leader. And then there's a whole bunch of fights between... I'm sorry. That seemed to go uh, no, faster okay. than normal. <laughs> I know. I was... I like... I I don't know. As usual, I didn't focus on the heavy hitters of the episode. Um, but let's see what you can do in 30 <laughs> let's seconds. See, let's see. <laughs> okay. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Okay. And go. We're back to Friday night dinners as normal. And we're also back to breakfast at Luke's as normal as well. And back to school at Chilton with the student council stuff. Paris is president now. Francie has ideas about that. Um, She's back, by the way. Also, what else is happening? Emily and Lorelai are kind of trying to like patch up the rift between them. Emily contacts Christopher without telling Lorelai. That's a bad thing. Christopher shows up unexpectedly. They fight. Um, Rory and Jess finally fight. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty good, though. You got every everything in. Nothing about poor Kirk, though. Oh, yeah. Well, I did that. <laughs> yeah, and we'll get to it. <laughs> yeah. Should we okay. slow down and go through our episode in depth? Yes, let's. So we start off this episode at, as I said, a silent Friday night dinner it's, it was cold. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> They're just sitting there. Um, Rory is attempting to start different conversations. She's got this, like, kind of weird affect throughout this scene mm-hmm. where she's, like, trying to act happy when everybody else is being so grumpy, but she also is just, like, giggly. I don't know. It was a, a weird, mm. <laughs> weird affect for her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she had a bit of a, like, putting on a show mm-hmm. or effort vibe, like forced positivity um, to make this whole situation work. And I applaud her for that. <laughs> like, I'm sure it was tricky to be the kind of the mediator between Emily and Lorelai mm-hmm. after their big like blow up fight of the last episode. But I do. I mean, I applaud Rory, but I also think she doesn't do the best job necessarily yeah. because <laughs> One thing she gets, like, she tries to get conversation started by telling Lorelai to tell Emily about this, like, mouse that has been at the inn. And I'm like, Rory, come on. You know Emily is going to judge Lorelai for this mouse thing and, like, blow it out of proportion. So needless to say, she was trying. (laughs) I give her a pat on the back for that. But, like, this was a very awkward short little scene to kick things off, like, to let us know things are not okay and oh yeah and Richard is gone which kind of seems like a I don't know the Richard traveling thing as a way for him and Lorelai to not have to address how awful he was it kind of feels like a cop-out a little bit to me I don't know what you think I agree it really like reminds me every single time why in the credits it says appearances (laughs) by uh the actor whose name I just forgot (laughs) Edward um, Herman, I think. Yeah, appearances by Edward Herman rather than having him as a actual cast member because he really does like 
just pop in and out and it seems like after every big episode like last week where he and Emily had that fight over Lorelai and Christopher it seems like mm-hmm. after after every episode like that he just disappears and then pops back up and nothing's addressed <sighs> which is not great <laughs> we also get a little kind of one-liner from Emily because Lorelai is reading the paper during this and she sees that somebody in the um, social circle of Emily and Richard shot her husband and Emily's response to this kind of under her breath at the end of the conversation is at least she had a husband to kill (laughs) and then that's just right after that we go into the opening credits is a little bit (laughs) fighting. (laughs) Yeah it was a funny little comment but it also Mm -hmm. underscores the theme of last episode and this episode Mm -hmm. of like Emily and Richard's firm belief in like the heteronormative family unit (laughs) in Mm -hmm. spite of its flaws the fact that like a wife might kill a husband but at least she was part of a marriage right and what (laughs) that one model of a proper family um it will come up again later on in this episode and I think it's a good um yeah I just wanted to highlight that it comes up again here (laughs) in a joke (laughs) yeah (laughs) we don't get any Uh, any sort of resolution of course it's a cold open so why would we Um, it was a cold cold open. yeah very very cold (laughs) knee slapper okay (laughs) and Lorelai has a cold we learn in the next scene just weird it's never brought up again after this scene no but she's annoyed that it's a basic illness which in the in the age of a pandemic I just can't help but not find this I don't really find it that funny yeah like wish for an extraordinary illness which she says like her example is a haunted leg which is also (laughs) the episode title but Mm -hmm. it never comes up again either a little random yeah very random and it leaves me wondering about the logistics of having a haunted leg because a Mm -hmm. haunting comes when something's died so does that mean that your leg is dead and still attached to your body or have you had it amputated and you just keep right. it in your bedroom and it, you're being haunted by it, you know? Mm-hmm. It's a I know. a big logistical question. I really want her to explain, but she doesn't. <laughs> mm-hmm. It was really, I think, there, like this whole little conversation, I think, is supposed to be like, look, they're back having quips and banter mm-hmm. at Luke's. Um, it also comes up that this is the third day in a row that she's ordered soup for breakfast, So that's also setting the scene of like they've been coming back to Luke's multiple times now and Mm -hmm. things seem to have returned to the status quo of like the buddy-buddy kind of relationship between Lorelai and Luke. I don't know. Like it was nice to be back. I know we have like feeling, I guess we have a lot of different feelings about how it's been (laughs) handled. (laughs) Yeah. I just wish Luke could have gotten at least one opportunity to really be like, what you said hurt me mm-hmm. and this is exactly why and Lorelai to say yes I understand completely I won't do it mm-hmm. again but no, yeah it doesn't happen <laughs> yeah like Jess gets to have his moment where he gets to say everything to Rory mm-hmm. at the end of the episode I think you're so right that they just needed to put like one other step in between point a and point c like they moved over yeah. to point b in the like time of the summer that we didn't see um so yeah they definitely it's kind of like the Richard being gone thing it's like let's just smooth it over a little bit (laughs) yeah we had this this big 
thing and we don't want to deal with it for more than one episode so (laughs) it's done Mm. um (laughs) during this breakfast jess is working at the diner which we don't see that often he's behind the counter and i i liked he like helped some customers and then he pulled out a book and was just reading at the counter while customers were sitting there and every single customer service or hospitality job i've ever had like that would be a (laughs) write-up i mean I've I I've done that, but not when the boss was around. But I guess if the yeah. boss is your uncle, it's slightly different. But after a few minutes, the girl that we saw last episode pops in. She has I really like her short blonde hair. I think it's really cute. Mm. Um, she mm-hmm. comes in and they just start making out across the counter from each other. They have a violation. <laughs> seriously, <laughs> swapping spit all over everybody's donuts. And um, as Lorelai says, they have like a monosyllabic conversation where the girl just says something like, "Uh, you ready? Or and Mm -hmm. Jess says just a minute, blah, blah, blah. And they leave. And Rory this whole time is sitting there with this odd expression on her face, like jealous, uncomfortable, Mm. trying to be annoyed by it. Yeah. Yeah. Very judgmental. Right after this, Dean pops in with a green polo shirt on, I noticed. Yeah. Continuing his preppy phase. Mm -hmm. Yeah, to like follow up on what you said, uh, Lorelai's line is like, oh, wow, they had a complete conversation in 10 (laughs) words or less. And then Rory responds, a meeting of the minds, like very judgmental. Mm -hmm. And when Dean approaches, they're... She, like, looks at him so proudly for whatever he says, which is essentially, like, sorry, I already ate breakfast. And is like, oh, um, um, she's so proud that he speaks in complete sentences. <laughs> and I'm just, like, it's – since when has Dean been the epitome of, like, the intellectual? Yeah. This is so forced and fake. And it is, like, compounded by the fact that it's clear the showrunners have re- – they're really trying to do that, like – um. What was it? It's like, is it the Virgin Mary versus the Madonna? Yeah, the, was that the trope? The, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because Shane, we don't even know her name yet. We have to wait till like the very end of the episode to even hear Shane's name. She's like blonde, like bleach blonde, tan, low rise jeans, bright pink top. Like they're very <laughs> much trying to show her as like the antithesis of Rory. And they mean that as a like a bad thing when it's like, Mm-hmm. Oh, my, oh my gosh like Rory's not like other girls kind of thing that we've discussed before um and Rory's just so but judgmental when like she just wishes she I don't know like oh it irks me <laughs> yeah they're doing the same like Madonna and horror thing with uh Jess and Dean as well Dean's mm-hmm. character maybe that's why he's so preppy now yeah I think so because Dean's character if we like think back to season one he was way more like he dressed like Jess, kind of, kind mm, of like yeah. leathery, jacket. grungy. Yeah. And he was a bit more monosyllabic. And over the course of season two, and especially now in season one, they're trying, I feel like they're really trying to make him an op, like a foil of Jess. Mm. So they're putting him in these preppy polo shirts. He's speaking in complete sentences. He's got <laughs> clean hair. Like, you know. <laughs> Yeah. But still, he's extremely boring and blah mm. and also yeah. bad. <laughs> That's a really good point to like 
frame the characterization of Dean um, and how it has shifted as like a specific strategy to foil him against Jess but it feels like mm-hmm. we just know it doesn't feel necessarily true to the both characters or I yeah. guess I don't know who Dean's character is really exactly I don't think the writers do either <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. exactly they yeah. use him as they will definitely they're dragging Dean in the mud just like they said Rory was <laughs> yeah they really are and it's like a shame because Jared Padalecki's a pretty good actor he's like obviously very attractive he could have mm. been a full a fully blown character even if he did end up being a character that we like hate in the end if he actually mm-hmm. had characteristics that were like a character arc it would have been completely yeah. different than this person they just like shove things on to bring out other characters <laughs> definitely <sighs> Well, here I am feeling sympathetic for Dean <laughs> once more. What is happening? <laughs> for okay. now. Just wait. <laughs> mm-hmm. For now. It's true. The following scene is later that day while Lorelai is at work. It's a continuation of this tiny mouse storyline that is not picked up after, like beyond this scene, which was also a little strange. But mm-hmm. Michelle and her are there looking for the mouse. You can hear they've like added... A sound effect yeah, of so like weird. little mouse chirps which is strange um but i think the major thing that happens here is a a smaller plot line that carries throughout the episode of kirk asking lorelei out on a date <laughs> um he he you know he says it in a very kirk fashion um it's kind of like very formal and awkward mm-hmm. uh where he's saying like i'll give you You know, we could go in two weeks once the virus is out of your system, (laughs) the cold, (laughs) and that she can have a few days to think it over. Uh, He does leave the scene with like a very, I thought, heartfelt line, which then turns very Kirk at the end when he says, I think you might be the prettiest girl I've ever seen outside of a filthy magazine. (laughs) It was just like so sincere and sweet. And then like, oh, uh, it took a turn at the end. Yeah. (laughs) That whole scene was my Stars Hollow moment, kind of exactly (laughs) as you described it. And I think I did the exact same thing last episode, which was just nominate something that Kirk did as a Stars Hollow moment because (laughs) he's so Stars Hollow to me. He's Mm -hmm. like very quirky and endearing and strange and weird, (laughs) but we love him all the same. And yeah, I, I loved how he like sat Lorelai down. He had this serious conversation about when they're going to go out. And his parting line was very almost heartfelt. <laughs> and So close. Yeah, it's also so out of the blue. Like we've seen Kirk and Lorelai interact often, but mm-hmm. there's never been any hint of this. So it's an interesting yeah. storyline. <laughs> Yeah, he must have heard on the grapevine about the whole Christopher breakup. And I mean, I do think Lorelai is clearly one of like the prettiest and most single eligible young women in Stars Hollow. So Mm -hmm. I think I can't blame him, you know? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, they they would definitely not ever fit together. Mm -mm. I think they would both be talking and neither of them listening to each other. (laughs) <laughs> but <laughs> at least he sh- he shot his he shot his shot <laughs> good for Kirk yeah so right after this we 
see Rory sleeping and then she wakes up to find Lorelai staring at her. And this is our first indication of like what time of year it is. I guess last Mm. episode we got like towards the end of summer, but now we know for sure it's the beginning of the school year because Lorelai is talking about how this is Rory's last first day of high school, which Mm -hmm. is, is a big deal, I'd say, senior year. (laughs) She then reveals like they didn't have a chance to talk last night so she now tells Rory about Kirk asking her out and she says that she can't go out with Kirk because he's Kirk (laughs) even though Rory is kind of like at first she kind of plays along with it as a possibility Mm -hmm. Rory gives her some options of how to turn Kirk down in a very kind way I think like very legitimate ways like um you know tell him you don't want to go out with him or tell him you just you're seeing somebody which would be a lie but Lorelai's solution is that they're going to have to move which (laughs) is a little bit dramatic (laughs) Mm -hmm. assume new identities (laughs) yeah (laughs) it is definitely dramatic I think it's nicely paired with the fact that she is in the end quite kind when she does Mm -hmm. let him down you know so like in in hindsight we know this is kind of her joking around at like the awkwardness she probably feels from like knowing she'll have to let down someone who is a friend and that she sees frequently you know mm-hmm. but it was definitely funny it kind of remained made me rem- remember when they played like the one two three you're mine or whatever that yeah. game was <laughs> and Lorelai lands on Kirk and Rory makes that yeah. awesome joke of like my dad or something like that <laughs> I also wanted to point out something we've never talked about before, but I think it's, like, very apparent in this storyline for Kirk. I'm pretty sure Kirk is coded as autistic. He's got, like, some Mm -hmm. of the super stereotypical um, mannerisms of autism and stuff. So I, I like that the show, you know, gives him a full character arc and a full personality. But I think we also, like... There, it's also clear in this conversation that he's still like seen kind of as an outsider. It's just mm. not a, not an outsider of the town, but of normal society, <laughs> of yeah. neurotypical society, and that's kind of what Lorelai is like saying in this conversation without knowing she's saying it. So I just wanted to point that out. I mean, I don't think there's anything really to do with it other than just to acknowledge what's happening. But yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely important to acknowledge <laughs> and to keep in mind going forward when um, like his quirkiness or weirdness is like mm-hmm. a part of storylines and his characterization when and how that balances with like representation of him as neurodivergent as well. Yeah, yeah. it's complicated. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad that at some point he does get a real love interest mm, Yeah, because he's he's a strange character and also just because you never see strange characters like that actually getting real love Mm -hmm. interests but yeah I also on this topic I have recently seen some talk about Lorelai as having like ADHD or something Mm -hmm. like that um and like is this from like the way she talks so fast or her manner of like silliness moving from topic to topic or I'm not quite sure but 
yeah i just thought i would throw that out there as well i'm not sure yeah. if it's quite the same level as like our discussions of Suki before or kirk now um uh, but i don't know it is something yeah that's that's really interesting yeah i don't know as much about adhd as i do about autism just from personal mm-hmm. experience but i i could definitely see that from what i do know that could be interesting mm-hmm. to just kind of like track as we watch and also it kind of raises the question of the like the why these characters are characters we love as mm. neurodivergent coded characters when in yeah in real life often neurodivergent people are kind of ostracized in some way or other but in mm-hmm. this case we find them like very endearing charming yeah 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 and that's really interesting and also that that the choice of the writers to make like some of the main main characters coded in this way like what does that Mm -hmm. say you know are we looking yeah like is it subliminal yeah exactly (laughs) it's super interesting to keep thinking about for sure yeah yeah we'll have to put that in our list of things to track (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's getting to be long but yeah. it's a good list yeah. <laughs> I also I had to point out the breakfast that they make which is just pouring rice krispies into a huge mixing bowl adding marshmallows <laughs> and a bit of milk and both of them eating out of the same bowl it was an interesting mm-hmm. breakfast <laughs> yeah it's like it really is the fantasy of like imagine eating that for breakfast right but then it's also paired with like the reality of like how can they possibly eat that for yeah breakfast? god i would have such a bad sugar like crash like, yeah an and i would need later. to eat again in like half an hour mm-hmm. yeah oh my god <laughs> yes well moving from that into the next scene we are at the chilton student council like induction ceremony it seems quite official which i find hilarious because student council was like not at this level at my school was yours anything like no. that to be honest yeah. i don't even remember ever voting or hearing about mm. them i'm sure it was like on morning announcements and i just ignored it but you know yeah well it's a lot more at chilton rory and paris both get to have these like long speeches emily and Lorelai are sitting next to each other in the audience both seeming to be really bored like they're both really bored which I liked because it shows <laughs> that they might be fighting right now but they're still they have something in common which is being understandably bored by all of these like student speeches <laughs> yeah so then it I mean it finally ends and they're out waiting in the hallway for Rory and it seems like Emily is about to like broach the conflict she says Lorelai but gets cut off by Rory arriving um then once Rory leaves Emily asks Lorelai out to lunch and I feel like it's definitely supposed to be ambiguous here like is this an olive branch that she's extending like what does she want from this lunch what does this mean like is she gonna say sorry is she just gonna yell at her more like what Mm -hmm. is it and Lorelai is really like hesitant but accepts the offer and they set up a plan to meet uh the next day so yeah that's the broad strokes of the scene but were there any um smaller moments you noticed in this one i i first off noticed the speeches that rory and paris gave 
And I thought that they were a little bit foreshadowy, perhaps. Mm. <laughs> Rory's speech was about how actions have consequences and they need to think about mm-hmm. that at, at their young age in high school. And I just think that's so ironic given what happens with Rory down the line and how often we talk about her like not taking the consequences for her actions or just like mm-hmm. avoiding it completely as she does with the Jess and Dean situation. And then Paris's was just hilarious. She was talking about the fall of empires. She was like talking yeah. about the fall <laughs> of Rome and stuff. Mm-hmm. And later in this episode, she talks all about her legacy and all that kind of thing. And it's just so like so out of so overblown for the context of what's going on, but is exactly what you'd expect from Paris. Mm-hmm. And I imagine her speech was probably about 30 minutes when it was supposed to be about five minutes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I also kind of got the feeling with the like kind of back and forth looks that Lorelai and Emily were giving each other that they both had some quips they wanted to say about the speeches that were happening mm-hmm. and didn't because of the awkward situation they're in. So I couldn't tell whether the looks were because of that or because of just the like awkwardness of sitting next to each other with all the baggage at the moment. It was a an interesting ceremony, to say the least. <laughs> and then straight away, they have a meeting afterward, the kids do, and you find out that Paris has gone on for like an hour when really this was supposed to be a get to know you meeting, oh <laughs> which seems like a bad sign um, for her yeah. leadership. <laughs> yeah, we've talked about it before, but like Paris really needs Rory together. They're a good mm-hmm. team because Paris has all the vision. She's got all the like momentum and everything, but she has zero leadership skills. She like doesn't pay attention to the other people that she's supposed to be working with but Rory does and I I, like Rory should have called Paris out maybe halfway through her rant sooner yeah yeah but oh well they didn't even get to eat the donuts which was a shame (laughs) I would have been angry if I was in that meeting just like we're not gonna eat the donuts I feel like I would have taken a donut yeah anyway like I can't imagine a situation I was in like I guess if I was really intimidated by Paris which I could see happening maybe but like what a waste for those donuts <laughs> mm-hmm. and the coffee another notable element of this scene is the return of Francie who we met uh before as part of the puffs the secret sorority at Chilton and she is the president of the senior class and she raises this point this like urgent matter (laughs) about the length of skirts it's like this hemline issue she is saying this is like this issue on the senior class's mind they would like it to be raised by whatever amount of inch it was that she said uh Paris is definitely like not amused by this suggestion but she's like I'll think about it essentially um (laughs) and I just thought this was kind of funny and when it comes up again later on I was just thinking like how much power does the student council have at Chilton? Because mm-hmm. I would not think that they could control like the uniform guidelines, but it seems like nobody says yeah. like, oh, like that's I can't do it. But that's just like a logistical question on my mind. Um, but yeah, 
we'll see where this yeah. plot line goes it goes in a fun <laughs> direction <laughs> i know i kind of wonder what i would love to see would be a unionization play as they say in game mm-hmm. of roses with mm-hmm. all of the girls of the senior class raising their hemline i feel like to change a school uniform policy in a place like chilton you'd have to do something like that like get everybody to just do it because you can't punish everybody and then it would change but yeah i also question how much (laughs) how much Mm -hmm. power they actually have and i i understand why paris doesn't think it's that important but it's also like like the downside of politics you have to please your constituents <laughs> like you have to kind right. of you have to listen do what to they the want people. yeah and mm-hmm. if they want something kind of ridiculous that's in your purview why not just do it you know but yeah whatever <laughs> meanwhile paris is more taken up with the library situation yeah and speaking of like how much power does she have she wants to like fire the librarian <laughs> Yeah, so ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, I I like I placed my Rory's bookshelf here, and it's kind of got a critique wrapped in. I'm sure this will not surprise you or anyone else who's listened to us discuss Chilton and books and whatnot. But Paris's um, issue with the library is that they have, and I'll get these numbers wrong, but she essentially says like we have um, 500 books on the French Revolution, but only a couple on the crusades and later on she's like you can barely find the shakespeare section and how are we supposed to get a proper education in these conditions and it's just so so chilton of like the three things she mentions to be the french revolution crusades and shakespeare (laughs) just like the most colonial like english kind of thing Mm -hmm. you could think of and this would have been like if she had just mentioned like women writers or black or writers of color, anything like that, this would this critique would be like, oh, yeah, this is awesome. But like the fact that she's like, we need more books on the Crusades. Like, <laughs> my God. <laughs> As we've so, yeah. also said, they have plenty of Shakespeare education. I don't Seems think they're like lacking it. on that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. The poor librarian. Well, it just felt very true to Chilton. All mm-hmm. of those literary references did roll my eyes, but hey, I don't know. At least they're consistent. <laughs> they're no Dean. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> the next scene we get is at the inn. It's a really short scene, but I wanted to mention it because it has my Lorelai's closet in it for Suki's mm. chef's coat. Um, it's got like salmon, a salmon like the fish print all over and it was like it took me a little while because it's really small so it almost looks like it's just kind of an abstract print but if you look closely Mm. it's salmon all over her shirt and I just loved it it was very silky at the same time she's Mm -hmm. complaining about having to cook for vegetarians Um, that was a little rough (laughs) yeah and Lorelai is very adamant you know you have to accommodate that kind of dietary request which is mm-hmm. I, I'm pretty sure we've had multiple times in the past where Suki has very easily pivoted to vegetarian or had like delicious vegetarian dishes that she's talked about so I think that this was just uh, something that they needed like a joke to bring in so that they could mm-hmm. talk about Emily's visit but it was yeah it was a little bit a little bit rough like it's mm-hmm. you, you're a chef you know you can you can do a vegetarian meal. <laughs> um, 
I also want to nominate my Lorelai's closet in this short scene, but it is for Lorelai herself. I liked quite a lot of her outfits in this episode. She's got this like rather delicate and feminine style going right now. Uh, I think with like the warmer weather as well. Yeah, and very floral. so much of it. Yeah, so much of it is not what I would wear, but I think she looks great in it. And in this scene, it's like this beige kind of dress with this intricate pattern on it and it kind of like it's tight fitting but flares out around her knees and she's got this like little pastel blue cardigan on that also kind of has frills at the end and it's just really cute and um I think the color for this episode is blue I said it was pink last episode but Lorelai and Emily and Rory (laughs) both all wear blue at one point in different ways yeah in successful ways yeah and they're almost all well rory and lorelei seem to be wearing floral prints in most scenes i noticed also Mm. to some extent Mm -hmm. the main thing about this this scene is that we find out lorelei is apprehensive about emily's visit later that day (laughs) Mm -hmm. and then we go back to chilton And Rory is walking down the hall and an arm comes out of nowhere and pulls her into the bathroom like she's being abducted or something. It was so dramatic. And inside the bathroom, it's like a perfect Mean Girls kind of shot. Francie Mm. is standing there with two minions leaning against the sinks and they're blocking the door. And the main gist of what Francie is saying is that she thinks Paris needs to be brought down a peg. She's not as important as she thinks she is. Um, And there's a whole bunch of... Francie has, like, great references in this speech that most of I didn't understand because I wasn't aware of these kinds of people in the 2000s. I just wasn't paying attention to that. So I don't know who a lot of them are. it takes a lot to Google everything, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, but they... And then... Uh, She also talks about how Rory is the Myra Lansky behind Paris. Um, Another reference I like vaguely recognize, but don't know very well and didn't look up. I liked the um, go back to Margaret Thatcher and tell her to play (laughs) ball. And Paris is the Margaret Thatcher, Hmm. which is funny. I also just thought Francie had like really great turns of phrases and her Mm -hmm. like intimidation tactics she says well if she doesn't if she's not willing to like work with me she's in for a major bikini wax which is like (laughs) a wonderful threat because that is painful (laughs) (laughs) yeah poor Rory is stuck with that image (laughs) Mm -hmm. I was just really tickled by the scene of like there's a secret government beneath the student council and Francie Mm -hmm. is like we have the power um and she's like already involved in the secret society of the puffs so like I just was like I really liked the return of this character and like her threats and her intimidation and um just like her I feel like she is an effective like mean girl character that they're introducing here where she is like an interesting full character and it's like an example of where they find they're finally getting like a mean cool girl right here I think with Francie and she's a redhead so like that's the signal that they take her (laughs) the writers take her seriously like she's not blonde (laughs) Mm -hmm. she almost reminds me of like 
the Paris that they try that they thought that they were going to work with in the first few mm-hmm. episodes, who was kind of more of a mean, popular girl. And yeah. like as Paris progressed, she, you know, I think they veered away from that. But uh, Francie really gets that, like the very, very popular, like Regina George type of character. Mm. That's a great point because Madeline and Louise are like the cool girls, but they could care less about like collective bargaining power Mm -hmm. or anything like this, you know, (laughs) Um, they're like more they're into other things um, and don't get involved or put out this effort that like Francie Mm -hmm. does. So you're right. I definitely think this is a good twist on like maybe what they had thought about with Paris originally. I also thought at the very end of this conversation if you're looking for a definition of gaslighting, you know, that trendy term these days, it would be what <clears throat> what Francie does to Rory at the very end, which is kind of say, like, this never happened. You're, uh, we were having a meeting. You chose to come and meet with us, blah, 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 kind of <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. changing the narrative. Yeah, definitely. Well... Following this, we are back in Stars Hollow, and it is time for Lorelai and Emily's lunch at Luke's. I thought, you know, it's on Lorelai's home turf, so that was nice of Emily. Before Emily arrives, Luke is a bit surprised that Lorelai is there. It's not her typical time. He asks, are you meeting Kirk? Because he has (laughs) talked to Kirk, heard about this. It's pretty funny. Like, regardless of how this storyline about like their fight ended like it is like reassuring to be back with their banter Mm -hmm. because it's so nice like he's like um he says Kirk almost had an expression when he was talking about you and then he walks away and is like seeing songing love is in the air (laughs) like it was just quite it was really humorous um um and then at that point Emily arrives they chit chat about the menu of course Uh, When Luke returns, Emily asks about his Caesar dressing and he says, I'll have to ask Paul Newman, (laughs) which is a brand of Caesar dressing I have bought before. It's pretty Uh, good. (laughs) And then, you know, Lorelai is asking, like, I'm just confused about what's going on here. Is there a hidden agenda? Emily says, no, no. And then in like the next breath says, I called Christopher. Mm -hmm. And that is why we are here. (laughs) Yeah. And this uh, intervention into Lorelai's romantic life, this is my Friday night dinner for the episode. There was another mm. point also that I like was debating between that I'm sure we'll talk about. But yeah, this one really kind of goes off of the conversation last episode where Emily was just like saying, you know, whatever needs to be done, you can fix it. And she's kind of doubling down on this now. She's saying, Christopher doesn't want to be with that woman. She's He's in love with you, Lorelai. Like, like, I could hear it from his voice. Yeah, <laughs> all you need to do is, you know, get back with him. And Lorelai, I thought, so my Friday night dinner is critiquing Emily's, like, she doesn't need to be involved in this. At some point, she needs to realize that Lorelai is a grown woman and can make her own choices whether she likes them or not. And might have reasons for doing things that she's not telling Emily, you know, for mm-hmm. multiple reasons, for privacy and also because of the track record with Emily's judging of her choices. 
Um, but I thought Lorelai did a great job shutting this down. She she was very much like, you need to respect that I have made these choices and you don't, it's none of your business. Um, so I thought she was, as we say these days, setting a good boundary, um, mm-hmm. whether Emily cares or recognizes that is questionable. And she also had already kind of set that boundary. So obviously Emily's <laughs> not really paying attention, but yeah. yeah, I thought it was, it was a, a blow up and a bad look for Emily, but, a good reaction like forceful from Lorelai I thought she was very mm-hmm. yeah forceful and logical about her response yeah as much as you can be in the situation <laughs> uh-huh <laughs> my first thought is like I'd love to be the person sitting at the next table like <laughs> yeah, overhearing this, this fight drama but the second one is like yeah I think I liked Lorelai's drawing of the boundary and not only what you described but also how she's like I'm not having this conversation. Mm-hmm. I'm not talking about this anymore. I'm going to leave. And as much as they critiqued her for leaving in the middle of the fight last episode, it's like that is really an effective reaction because you can try to like control how other people deal. Like you can be like, Emily, don't call Christopher. But at the end of the day, you can't control her, but you can set the rule of like, if you do that, I'm not going to talk to you about it. Like, I'm going to leave. I'm not going to put myself in that position. So when we later on see Emily come to Lorelai's support, I hope it's partially because of her witnessing how Lorelai reacted here and, like, hearing her out, I hope. (laughs) Um, And then the last thought I had about this is that, uh, that Emily is so meshed in Lorelai's life like mm-hmm. we've given Lorelai crap for this and we see where she gets yeah, it it's true. <laughs> because Emily's like this is my responsibility like it's like she feels that Christopher broke up with her almost mm-hmm. because she's like this is it affects you and Rory like this is my life I had to do something when it's like it's not it's not your life really like they aren't just an extension of you you gotta gotta accept it but like she's going through the heartbreak of what she had imagined their family was going to look like. And she's out of that reacting totally inappropriately (laughs) and overstepping majorly. Um, And, oh, I lied. I had one last (laughs) quick thought. This is where she also, this line about like, she says a family life doesn't just happen. You have to work and fight for it. And that just really grinds my gears <laughs> because it's like Lorelai has done yeah. that. She has worked and fought so hard for her life with Rory and the people like her friends in town. And she's fighting to have a relationship with like Richard and Emily. It's clearly not easy for her, but she's trying to make them be part of her family too. And so it's just like that like husband, wife, kid, family that Emily is referring to here that... It's like they just have this vision and fantasy of what that would look like. And it's like they need to drop it, you know, and just accept what their family currently is and be happy with it because there's so much there to be happy about, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it kind of goes back to her, her like, at least she had a husband comment earlier. It's like Mm -hmm. Emily really thinks that it doesn't need to be a good relationship. It just needs to be a relationship. And that's like the ultimate thing you should be fighting for. And that's the ultimate sign of value in your life, especially I think mm-hmm. a woman's life is to like have yeah. that, 
heterosexual marriage as like your baseline and all other relationships are secondary (laughs) and Lorelai is a clear example of how that's not true as even saying like she has she has built her own little family around herself as she's grown up with Rory and Emily just doesn't doesn't recognize that because it's not it's not a man it's not a marriage yeah or like if she had I think she has like I think just the reintroduction of Christopher and her feeling like the realization of her dream for Lorelai, like maybe that has kind of temporarily Mm -hmm. obstructed her view because I don't know, like they had been having so much progress and I don't think she's always devalued like Rory and Lorelai on their own and the thing they have. Like if anything, I feel like at times she's been jealous of it and wanted that close bond. So she's really going through it. Like Christopher is really... He makes everything. He's just like a chaos storm for their whole family. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. He just needs Mm. to stop coming back around, but we know he won't. As you said, he's he's a ghost. He just keeps haunting (laughs) family. He (laughs) is the haunted leg, maybe. I don't. It should have been like the haunted Christopher or something. Yeah. (laughs) The like limb that you keep feeling even though it's gone. And there's something more there. I just can't think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I like that. <laughs> uh, cool. Yeah. We interrupt this podcast with a message from our sponsor. Picture this. It's a Monday morning. You've had some coffee and now you sit on the toilet. You're bored. So you take out your phone and open one of the apps, quote unquote, as they say. You swipe right, you sl- swipe left, and you wait. Sound familiar? Singles these days are weary of the apps, but there is a solution that will get you out on a date and smooching in no time. We are happy to present Speed Dating with Kirk. It's just like speed dating from the 90s, but with Kirk. Kirk will provide some conversation topics, including hard hitters like tuna preferences, the diets of our bovine friends, and tips for living in a two-generation household as the youngest member. Heck, if the conversation is really popping off, as they say, Kirk will even hop into the lineup and join in. So when the apps get you down, give Kirk a call. He'll put you down on the list for the next night of speed dating with Kirk and be the Virgil to your Dante of the dating world. Speed dating with Kirk is here for people of all genders and sexualities, so what are you waiting for? Listeners of Talking Fast will get placed right at the top of the participant list if they mention the podcast to Kirk when calling to sign up. Just make sure to mention it before his mother hops on the line. She's got opinions about our hot takes here on the show. Mention Talking Fast to Kirk when you sign up for Speed Dating with Kirk to get bumped up to the top of the list. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Welcome to the Snapple Market Auditory Experience. Close your eyes. Imagine you're walking into your neighborhood store. You make your way to the back and reach for your favorite Snapple flavor. You can't wait. You take a sip. Whoa, that's a lot of flavor. Mmm. 
What flavor are you holding? Now, open your eyes and check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavorful Snapple near you. There's not an easy transition into the next scene. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a yeah. little bit of back and forth going on at this point in the episode, but we return to Chilton to pick up again on this student council storyline. I think Paris is doing a bit better as president in this scene because we've got Madeline and Louise back for the first time this season. It was good to see them. Um, Louise proposes that they have a dance and Paris is like resistant a bit, but says like, give me a proposal. I'll consider it. Madeline's idea is about having a professional photographer do the senior pictures. And Paris says, okay, that's fine. So like there are some good signs that she's... um, more open to like <laughs> the people <laughs> but she does shut down Francie again um which leads Rory to like approach her after the meeting how did you feel about like Rory trying to persuade Paris here and not being honest I don't I felt like she was right to try and persuade Paris to try to consider this but she probably should have talked about the abduction attempt by Francie especially because (laughs) I vaguely remember what happens in the next couple episodes with this storyline and it doesn't go well for their relationship so Mm -hmm. if Rory had just been honest in this first like first scene she could have kind of sidestepped all of that and also I feel like maybe Paris well I don't know how rational Paris is all the time. Maybe she would have taken it out on Francie, but also maybe she would have just been like, okay, I'll think about it. I don't know. I don't know. Now that I'm thinking about it, she probably would have been irrational, but. (laughs) Yeah, maybe. I, I was wondering what Rory's motivation was to not tell Paris the truth here, because Mm -hmm. I feel like Paris would trust Rory. It's not like she would trust Francie more than Rory. Um, Because, I mean, Francie's like, if you tell her, I'll lie and say, like, you approach me, you know? But it's like, who's Paris really going to believe? I also just thought it was a little shady of Rory to, like, play into Paris's insecurities to persuade her. Because at the very end, she's like, you want to be beloved as well as respected. So you should do this hemline issue. And I thought that was her taking advantage of Paris slightly there Mm -hmm. in a not cool way. Yeah, that's true. It's also kind of, like leaning into some of the sexist stare like expectations of women in uh positions of power like you have to be you have to be lovable if you're going to be respected as a woman <laughs> mm. or at least that's often the the expectation and Rory's kind of I don't know she's kind of kind of leaning into that but yeah I had a question about your high school experience did you, what did you do for your senior photos? Did you get to like do something unique or were they just like normal school photos? So we did have the option to do senior photos on your own where you like hire someone. Um, I was not really that like interested in that. And I just assumed like my mom would arrange it if she wanted them done. Um, and I kind of thought I got out of it. Because I don't really like having pictures taken that much. It just feels awkward. Um, especially back then. Like, mm-hmm. even more back yeah. then. Um, 
but my mom like finally organized them the summer after my senior year it was like a day or two before I was leaving for college that is how long and I thought I had escaped it but she got like a family friend to do them and so I didn't make it out but so that said like my seat those weren't in like my yearbook I don't remember if we had the option for them to be in the yearbook or not but it was like very typical for people to get them done um either way my picture in the yearbook I just totally forgot about picture day that year. So it's a very not great photo (laughs) of me in a very casual like t-shirt and a headband. And yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't good, but (laughs) what was your experience? My, the high school that I went to for most of high school, you got to do like really unique uh, senior pictures and like each person would get like a larger portion than just a normal picture in a yearbook so you could get Mm -hmm. something a bit more like a almost a full body portrait with like a lot of people did pictures with their guitars or something like that if they were (laughs) instrumentalists unfortunately I went to a different high school my senior year and they required you to do you had to go out and get professional ones but you had to do like a specific shirt and background and I was really upset about it (laughs) but my my rebellion was I had orange hair at the time and I also refused to smile. So mm. so I had a I think it was still a pretty good senior picture. I'm gonna propose that we should share our senior pictures on our Instagram just for funsies. We can put them on stories so people it's not for posterity, but <laughs> All right. I take up your challenge. <laughs> okay. Back to the episode. Let's see. Um, The next scene is another short one. We're back home with Rory and Emily getting ready for another Friday night dinner. It's an episode where we get two. And Lorelai is quite reluctant. As I, I mean, I understand about going to this dinner after that fight. Rory convinces her. The scene also contains a bit of a joke about Kirk not understanding their voicemail machine. Which didn't quite make sense to me because wasn't he the person who like set up their internet in one of the early episodes? Like I think he could use the phone, but they're (laughs) kind of just using him for like a joke at this point. Mm -hmm. I feel like, Uh, yeah, maybe he was (laughs) nervous. (laughs) We also get at the very end my Rory's bookshelf where Mm. Lorelai asks Rory to do a Freaky Friday to pull a Freaky Friday with her, (laughs) and I'm. Thinking specifically of the 2000s Freaky Friday with Jamie Lee Curtis and Lindsay Lohan and our good friend Chad Michael Murray as the love interest. (laughs) Oh, Um, yeah, that's a good crossover. It was such a great movie. And like Lindsay Lohan in the 2000s had just some great movies that she did. Um, So I just wanted to bring up that because I love the movie. And also we get the Tristan crossover. He's much much better I think in Freaky Friday he's a bit more of a less of a predator I would say that's a low bar (laughs) but it's an important one (laughs) yeah I would suggest watching it also I recently watched Lindsay Lohan's new Christmas movie it's great if you like you know the cheesy Christmas movies it's on Netflix but of course this is coming out in January so it's past Christmas but just putting it out there um Mm. rory (laughs) refuses to do a freaky friday though because then she'd have to date kirk which 
is part of the whole storyline of the Freaky Friday movie. So. <laughs> Uh, so we go to Friday night dinner from here and I have placed my Friday night dinner critique in the first half of the scene. So we'll get to the Christopher of it all, but I wanted to return to, I think one of my like very first Friday night dinner critiques, Mm -hmm. which was about Emily and all of her, um, maids, as she calls them, her maids. Well, like my first part here. So I guess for context in the first part of the scene, they throw in, a sort of like extended joke about how Emily has a new maid, I believe, named Sarah, mm-hmm. was yeah, it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And I mean, here, the I think part of the premise of the joke is that Emily is hard on her maid. She can't, she fires them all the time. She has unbelievably high standards for them. And here, isn't it so funny? Ha ha, Sarah's actually bad at her job. Um, she confuses the doorbell with the oven sound. Um, she makes dinner at 6.30 when Emily said 7. When the doorbell rings, she was about to put down the salads and she just takes them away. So like, ha ha ha, so funny. And they call out Emily for this and they're like, what's going on with that? And Emily makes a comment about how before Richard had left, he said she he made fun of her for not being able to keep um, an employee for like any number for any good amount of time and this kind of follows up with some more comments Lorelai makes light of the fact that apparently Emily's had maids deported oh who were gosh. better than Sarah which is a horrible thing to joke about um, and essentially I just was really thinking about like what is the point of this storyline in the larger episode it's not really necessary like they want some kind of like lighthearted stuff before the like the real drama they want some tension there they want Emily to like be in a bad mood coming from her conflict with Lorelai as well but it just felt so like random um but not random at the same time because this is something that has come up before I guess I just couldn't really figure out like the permit the purpose of it or the execution of it because it's like it kind of felt like a critique of the show. Like they are showing this as a character flaw of Emily. This is something another character has told her is a flaw, but they're also just making light of it. They're making a joke of it in a way that also shows me they're not really taking this critique that seriously. Um, it just put like a bad taste in my mouth, honestly. And I wanted to highlight it again as something that will continue throughout the show. I'm curious to see where it goes or if it will always be so handle like handled so messily in the future to be continued. <laughs> Does Emily ever get like blacklisted by the agency that uh like hires maids? I feel like that happens. At it might some come point. up. That's ringing a, a faint bell in my mind. Because you'd think that would happen like at some point. Because she doesn't, I'm sure she doesn't hire the maids like they come and like interview with her. I'm sure she hires them from an agency of some sort. And you'd think that they would have some sort of like, I don't know, you know how an Airbnb is you leave a review and then the hosts leave a mm-hmm. review about you so that future hosts can decide whether to host you or not. Like there should be reviews about Emily as this terrible employer. <laughs> and yeah, you know, maybe she has to change her ways treat her maids in a certain way so that she can continue to keep hiring them that just seems Mm -hmm. like something that should happen (laughs) totally 
Maybe that can be an ad for us in the future. I think oh, we did yeah. like a class action joke one before for maybe Chilton. Mm-hmm. I can't remember, but this would that would be good of like all of the yeah. people who have worked for Emily <laughs> and their collective action and protests against her. <laughs> oh, we should do that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> now on to the true interpersonal major drama <laughs> yeah. of the episode. <laughs> The, as you said, the maid takes the salads away because the doorbell rings. And who could it be but Christopher, who just like barges in? Lorelai at first thinks that Emily asked him to come. Mm-hmm. And we don't ever get a full denial of that, but I think it's pretty clear that Emily didn't do that. Christopher just knows, of course, where she would be Friday night dinners, mm-hmm. you know? I feel like Emily looked surprised and also mm-hmm. concerned with the way that she like said twice, like, I was not involved with this. So yeah. I believe you too. Like, we, it's ambiguous, but I think, I don't think she did it. Yeah. Yeah. I think if she were to do this, Christopher would have been there waiting before Lorelai and Rory mm. got there. And yeah, Emily like would have been like hand. trying to mediate. Yeah. Because I think part, part of what really threw Emily off was Christopher, like, being so emotional and pushy because he really is he Mm -hmm. refuses to let Lorelai avoid this conversation he is blaming her for um turning Rory against him which then prompts Rory to come and join the conversation and Mm -hmm. say that no she's doing this herself because Christopher had promised that it would work out and then she tells Christopher to go be somebody else's dad and storms cold. upstairs, which <laughs> mm-hmm. I thought like fair, yeah, but cold, <laughs> absolutely fair and absolutely cold. I also felt like she was, it was a little bit out of character for Rory, but I, she also every once in a while does things like that. So, um, she probably had just been kind of simmering for a long time and finally had an opportunity to blow up. So, understandable. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah, and I think she was a little riled up. I imagine she overheard Christopher blaming Lorelai for turning Mm -hmm. Rory against him. And so I think I imagine she was a bit offended by that. Like, oh, you are not taking responsibility for your actions. You think my like the anger that she feels toward him is something that's like not even of her own. And so I think I imagine maybe she got worked up by that and then so she comes in hot and is like no I feel this way because like they're my feelings and kind of lashes out to hurt him um but yeah like then it continues after Rory leaves and Chris is like seriously really like worked up um he seems like super frazzled and like um he's just it seems like he's really like almost disturbed or just definitely really affected emotionally by like how they've really closed him out not responded not to like blame them but thinking about like how did he get to the state from like the Mm -hmm. last time that we saw him (laughs) and he just keeps going on like I really want to talk you you know you haven't been answering me and Lorelai's question is like what would we talk about has the situation changed and he says no but I don't like it like I didn't want this (laughs) and she's like well are you still with Sherry, is she still having your baby? Are you going to get married? And he says, yes. And she's like, well, then that's just how things are. And talking about them hurts me. And it's at that point where I imagine Emily overheard this and interrupts and says, like, 
you need to leave Christopher in a very like firm voice. And I really applaud her for her intervention here, taking Lorelai's side. This might be a generous reading, but I imagine she stepped in when she heard Lorelai getting like emotional and talking about how this hurts her. Like mm-hmm. I, I really, it's like a moment where she steps up to kind of like defend her and stop her from getting hurt more. And like, she just speaks with such authority that like in other contexts is so toxic. But here, I'm just so glad she can wield it to be like, get out, get the fuck out. You know, yeah. like, <laughs> she doesn't even have to repeat herself. Yeah, mm-hmm. this was my Emily stepping in was my gazebo moment because I have both critiqued her in this episode and I really loved that she stepped in here. And I kind of, as you were saying, I imagine her like hearing how this hurts Lorelai and also maybe hearing how Lorelai is really being the mature one in this situation and mm-hmm. Christopher is... It's it's like in period dramas where like a king is trying to convince a woman to sleep with him um, even though he's married and he's like, that doesn't matter. Um, you can be my mistress, blah, blah, blah. Ignore mm-hmm. all the realities of this situation. And that's basically what Christopher is doing. Like the only option here because he's still getting married to Sherry is for him and Lorelai to be having an affair this whole time. And that's mm-hmm. worse than them not being together at all I think in Emily's eyes and you know in society's eyes as well and yeah I just imagine her hearing that and coming to the realization that she's also been pressuring Lorelai unfairly and like Mm. pulling out the the Emily voice to send him away (laughs) (laughs) and get this to be done which was Mm -hmm. very good and effective And he rides away on his motorcycle. We see (laughs) Lorelai goes out for one last like word, which I thought was like generous of her. Mm -hmm. She says, give it time. I think referring to his relationship with Rory. And I wanted to point out, I think the fact that he's back on the motorcycle rather than the Volvo shows his character regression, you know, that he has returned to an immature state and he's going to have to work through his own issues to get back to that Volvo you know (laughs) it's true Um, and to speak like to speak less symbolically like I think that it's really interesting to see his reaction to his circumstances and like he's really like so desperate to talk to Lorelai because I think he's so upset and so unhappy with like the way his life is going he's foreseeing the future he's doing something out of duty and I think he knows like this is not going to end well but he feels like he has to do it and what he really just (laughs) needs is like a therapist like Mm -hmm. talking to (laughs) Lorelai will not change the situation as she points out but I think he really like does need to talk to someone if not like a therapist, a trusted friend or something like I have a little sympathy, sympathy for him in the fact that like, I think if he had had his way, he would have like been in a committed relationship with Lorelai and he wouldn't have broken the promise to Rory. And so it's kind of unfortunate and tragic that he's in this situation, um, but then like not going about it well. And I do, but I do think he needs a support system because he's like about to have a very lonely life with Sherry trying to do something 
um, when he doesn't like truly love her. And it's that like forced family unit thing again that he's pursuing. And it's ultimately only going to cause further unsatisfaction for all three of the people involved in their family, like little Gigi in the future. (laughs) Yeah, it kind of emphasizes the need for adult friendships like Lorelai has uh, fostered Mm -hmm. in her Mm -hmm. life that it seems like, yeah, Chris doesn't have, Emily doesn't have, Richard doesn't have. It seems like none of them really have any adult friendships outside of their relationships. (laughs) Yeah, seriously. Yeah. After this scene, we are back in Stars Hollow. Oh, wait. Yeah. Yeah, we're back in Stars Hollow. Um, And they're going to pick up some groceries because, of course, they're not satisfied after their meal at the Friday night dinner. Um, Lorelai is trying to kind of convince Rory that maybe she might want to go to Sherry and Christopher's wedding even if she doesn't feel mm-hmm. it like it right now, later down the line, she might regret it, which I think is such a like mature and selfless thing mm-hmm. to do. We don't often say that about Lorelai, um, that she's being selfless, but I think she really is here and she's really thinking about Rory and she's probably right. Like I think that Rory probably would regret that. Maybe <laughs> maybe because Sherry and Christopher don't work out, it's not as big of a deal, but if they had stayed <laughs> together, I think Rory would would have really regretted not being there um yeah so that was a great a great point and yeah it really shows her Lorelai's maturity to be able to say that after what just happened with Christopher yeah crazy seriously <laughs> and then they go into or Rory goes into Dosie's Lorelai speaks with Kirk um who has shown up to ask her if he, she, she has made a decision about going on a date and also her food preferences. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because first he asks her if she's allergic to tuna. Very specific. Yeah. She's not. Um. <laughs> I don't know if I've met anybody allergic to tuna. I've met people allergic to like shellfish. Yeah. But not tuna. But you never know. They're very thoughtful of him to ask. And then she lets him down pretty easy. She does the classic, like, I'm not over my last relationship excuse, which I do feel is true in this context and says, um, and she also says she doesn't want to hurt her friend by saying yes when she's not ready. So I thought that Mm -hmm. was kind of her. And so, and then she says no, like very openly too, which is good. Like, I'm glad she didn't do a maybe someday in the future kind of lead him on thing. It's pretty to the point. This is as well as you can dump someone, I think. Well, it's not really dumping, but turning down. Yeah. He says at least he asked, which is true. Yeah. Good job. Then inside of Dosies, we get uh, Rory runs into Jess. Finally. (laughs) This was this scene was my gazebo moment. Do you want to take it away then? (laughs) I guess I can a little bit. Um, Feel free to jump in at any point. Uh, Like just what I've been waiting for to see this finally unfold from them and it starts out in very typical fashion where they are like kind of passive aggressively Mm -hmm. talking around the thing that both of them want to discuss and then they finally like get to the get to the true like elephant in the room when uh, Jess finally just kind of comes out and says like her name is Shane which seems like random but um Rory is then like basically you know she's saying I don't care when 
all signs point to the opposite. Yeah. And Jess is wondering, like, are you upset by this? Because it doesn't seem to, like, bring a smile to your face. And she's like, well, I'm surprised. And he says, why? And she finally, like, (laughs) well, because of what happened at the wedding and coming back to see you with her really threw me off. And I love Jess's response to this. And I feel like this is finally, like, the most frank they've ever been about their relationship like we talked so much about like they'll talk about anything but like their feelings for each other (laughs) and here they finally do and he's like I'm sorry did I hear from you all summer did I miss thousands of phone calls the letters like did I lose the letters you wrote to me you kiss me and then tell me not to say anything which is super flattering by the way and then you go off and nothing and you come back And you find out I didn't wait around like Dean would have done. And by the way, Dean, like (laughs) you're still together. I've seen you walking around like characters out of a movie. And Murray's response to this is a question that is totally like missing the point. She like Mm -hmm. sidesteps all of this and deflects and says, when did you see me with Dean? Which is such a silly question to ask, like not addressing anything he said. Um, But, you know, Jess says, oh, I saw you at the festival. But then he like really he redirects and like doesn't really go down that rabbit hole. And he's like, "Um, let me see. Let me get back on track with my brilliant paraphrasing. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, because Rory says, like, how could you see me with Dean? Because your face like Shane's head was plastered to your face. First of all, very sexist way to like blame Shane for their making out. Second. Way to sound super jealous. Yeah, we've seen Dean and Rory like mm. literally sucking each other's faces in the trees in town square. Like she can't yeah. talk about this. <laughs> right. She just wants to plaster her face mm-hmm. on yeah. his but doesn't want to admit it here. And it's at this point where Jess reorients the conversation and he's like, you didn't answer me. Maybe he should be a lawyer. I feel like he's handling yeah. this well. Um, he's like and he repeats like his same his earlier thing with like really nice parallel sentence structure in this dialogue like did you call me did you send me a letter postcard smoke signal fruit basket like of course (laughs) he gets silly about it by the end (laughs) are you still with dean and she's like deflects again he's like yes or no and she finally like yes i am and then they like split up and go their separate ways and it was just a very satisfying scene to finally see them argue about it like finally have at it addressed like the real issue there and fi- and to get Jess to like be able to say like I don't know we talked earlier about like is Christopher asking Lorelai to be the other woman or his mistress or something like is that what really is that really what Rory expected of Jess to be this like side piece to her and Dean and we see like how much that bothered him probably like we were kind of like envisioning what was his summer like and I feel like we get that answer here where he probably was really waiting for her and then fed up and then okay classic gotta make her jealous move gotta secure a girl before she gets back kind of thing um it was just really satisfying I felt like the dialogue was really well written and the acting was really well done like the chemistry of the anger and all of that stuff like it was just really satisfying to watch yeah I think there were there were a couple like things that happened previously in the episode that are really important in this scene first off was uh Rory Rory's speech about 
uh, consequences to actions. <laughs> and here she is getting the consequences to her actions. First, her action of kissing Jess and then leaving, not saying anything, and then not saying anything all summer, and then staying with Dean. The consequence of that is that, no, she doesn't get to be with Jess then. Like, that's just the reality. What else did she expect? Mm -hmm. And no, she also doesn't get to, like, make him feel bad for having a relationship because she is doing the same thing. And the other thing is I was struck as we've just as we've been recapping at the parallel between Christopher and Lorelai's fight and this fight where Mm. Lorelai asks Christopher, are you still getting married? Is or is Sherry still pregnant? Are you still getting married? Um, and he says yes and here Jess is like are you still with Dean and Rory has to admit yes so yeah I think I think you're exactly right Rory was she was acting like her father in this situation Mm. she was kind of (laughs) expecting to get everything that she wanted without really thinking about what that meant and what that meant to the other people and what she would have to do, like what she might have to give mm-hmm. up to get what she wants. That's so We good. don't often <laughs> say that Rory is like Christopher, but I think this might be a prime example of, you know, she got, mm-hmm. she, yeah, uh, she's being like Christopher in this episode. <laughs> mm-hmm. That idea also kind of twists the way I think about that season two finale as well like mm-hmm. it ends on Lorelai and Rory side by side and I we talked about it like oh wow these two women just went through something awful but it's actually kind of like Lorelai and Jess are similar yeah. situations at the end of that season and Christopher and Rory are actually more similar at the end of yeah, that that's season so true. which is just like Oh, so good. That's so good. Wow. Yeah, and we've like we've always said Lorelai and Jess are very similar personalities as well. Mm-hmm. It's an, yeah, it's interesting yeah. to see them also being in the same Cast situation. Aside, yeah. Wow. While they're like person Pitty. they're interested in is pursuing something with someone else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh. But still wants them to be That's waiting good. around. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. We're smart. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is pretty much the end of the episode. Rory leaves and meets Lorelai outside and they walk home but we don't get any more dialogue or anything between them well Lorelai asks her like oh I was about to come in after you are you done and Rory says with a very double meaning kind of (laughs) phrase uh she's like oh yeah I'm done (laughs) Mm -hmm. right Rory (laughs) right (laughs) yeah yeah the question is is she done is she really over (laughs) Jess in this whole situation I think not (laughs) no I would agree. <laughs> who was, to end things with our new segment, who was your MVP of this episode? Listeners will be glad to hear my MVP was Lorelai. My days of constantly critiquing her uh, are at an end, at least for right now. For now. I thought she was so done. <laughs> <laughs> she conducted herself very well this episode. She held her ground and she, yeah, I just liked pretty much everything she did this episode um who was your mvp mm-hmm. mine was a little bit of a curveball perhaps but i'm picking francie i just think like 
one of the strengths of Gilmore Girls is like the supporting cast and recurring characters. And we hadn't seen Francie in a while. We'll see her again. She even makes an appearance in the revival. So I just wanted to highlight that she's back. And I thought that scene with her was just fantastic. Her running like the school secretly. All of her quips. She's like so she's really witty, intimidating. I think a good opponent to Paris. It takes a really strong calculating person to even shape up to Paris. So I look forward to that going forward. And I like we said, I just think it's like the show getting right a sort of mean, cool character like that without having to go into more negative stereotypes about teenage girls. So it's like, well done. So she's my MVP. Yeah. Nice. Well, that's that for the episode. Yeah. Talk soon. Talk soon. Thanks for listening to Talking Fast, a Gilmore Girls podcast. Don't forget to rate and review us and share us with your friends. Join us on Instagram and TikTok at Talking Fast Podcast. And join the conversation by emailing us your thoughts, talkingfastpodcast at gmail.com.